welcome. Hello and welcome, everybody. Hello, hello and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger. We do this live stream geek out for fish nerds every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that don't know where the real mountains are. And we're going to start, as we always do, with our shipping report. Let you know how shipping went since we last spoke. And we also have what I think is a pretty darn cool giveaway. Something different this time. We'll get into that. And we have some cool updates. Random Arms, a.k.a. Jonathan, a.k.a. Get Gills in the chat, has been um, working hard on some functionality for the website that people have been asking for for... I don't know, as soon as forever, for as long as we've had the website, I think. And we finally got some of that built. So we'll share that with you. And then we'll get to questions and comments. If you have, you know, fish related questions or stuff you would like to discuss, we'll get into that. So that's the docket for the evening. Let's start with the shipping report. I'm so just a few minutes ago, I was getting the report together and I asked Jonathan and Mandy, I was like, were there any problems? Like, so in the back of my mind, I think there was a fish that might have passed away since we last talked that was shipped out. But we couldn't think of that fish when we were getting together and trying to remember for this uh, report today. And I didn't note it down anywhere. I neglected to do that. So I can't remember if there was an issue or not as far as a fish that passed away um, in the shipping process since last Wednesday. So the report is what we will call ambiguous. <laughs> I literally don't know. I do know of two fish that there were concerns about and that we're, you know, watching to make sure they're okay. Um, one reached out to me today about an angel fish. Um, he's developed a little white on the edges of the fins. Um, and I think, uh, I think that probably happened about a week after the customer received the fish, if I remember the shipping date right. So they've had it for a little while. Um, usually in a case like that, what I've found is that if you just keep the water clean, keep it in a low stress environment, um, usually a fish will recover from that kind of frayed fin type thing, uh, on its own over time. It's not overnight. It takes a little time, but so usually just observing it, you know, you can see which way it's going and usually goes well if you're, if you keep the water, you know, clean for the fish. Um, and then there was, I think another fish of concern. Um, but again, I didn't jot this down, so I can't remember what that is. So worst case scenario, two fishes of concern in one uh, that has passed away since we last spoke, or maybe just two fishes of concern. <laughs> Not quite sure to tell you the truth. So that's the shipping report for all the good it'll do ya. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, yeah, when I forget to jot things down, <clears throat> this is what happens. <laughs> so we're gonna move on from that to the giveaway. Um, the giveaway is for, first of all, it is provided by Peplum Creek Aquatics, who has a store on Get Gills, and Foxy's Fishes, who has a YouTube channel. In fact, they both have YouTube channels. I've linked all this in the description. Um, Peplum Creek's store, their YouTube channel, and Foxy Fishes YouTube channel, if you want to check them out and thank them for um, 
providing the giveaway for tonight. That would be awfully kind of you. No, it's not required, but it'd be awful nice. But Peplum Creek has a store on Get Gills, and right now it's mostly snails. And what they're giving away tonight is this. I love it. First, I love the title, Crazy Lady... <laughs> crazy snail lady starter pack. So not the crazy cat lady, the crazy snail lady. I like it. I like it. And here's what you'll get. It's a nice mix. A um, couple ivories, couple golds, chestnuts, jades, blues, magenta, and purple. So they're not, they're not messing around. They're giving you a couple really nice colors, nice variety. 14 snails um, is the amount and you know, this is worth 70 bucks, this giveaway. So I thought that was awfully nice of them. So I wanted to thank them and invite you guys to join the giveaway. To do so, just type in hashtag Sherlock, like Sherlock Holmes. Because mystery, right? Mystery snails, hashtag S-H-E-R-L-O-C-K. I think I know how to spell Sherlock. <laughs> anyway... That's how to enter the giveaway if you want to get 14 mystery snails, seven different colors, two of each color, and I think that is pretty cool. We have a great giveaway lined up for next week, too. It'll be a $100 gift certificate. Uh, we'll get into that next week, but uh, something to look forward to. And I just want to thank everyone that's uh, stepping up and providing items for the giveaway to make it exciting here every week when we do this. So thanks so much. Um, looks like people have figured out how to spell Sherlock, so that is good. Quick announcement before we get into the uh, awesome improvement that Jonathan has made to the website. The announcement is we have cement down. So yesterday they poured the foundation and cut the foundation. Today they went out and they're, they're sealing on edges and, you know, doing a little, I don't know, cleanup work, finish work, whatever you want to call it, detail work maybe. Um, but we have a foundation, which is awesome. They've also popped the pipes back up out of the floor so that we can get to them to plumb into them and those, those basic things. But the cement is down. And yeah, it just looks like a big flat sheet of cement. You know, a little, I don't know, unimpressive maybe, but we have been waiting for this moment for so long <laughs> that it feels great. So we're building a new fish store. For those that don't know, we're calling it the Fish Warehouse. Um, it's rather large. It'll house oh, around 500 aquariums and allow us to sell about five times the fish we normally sell, maybe a little more. So we're very excited to expand. And there's been a ton of work just getting the site prepped, getting all the plumbing that goes under the cement in place. So our, our kind of complicated um, water change flow through type system can function. And now the cement's finally down, which means walls will go up pretty quick. Ceilings and well, what do you call those? Trusses will go up pretty quick. Like progress, all the progress up till now has been work you don't see very much. It's all important and takes a lot of work and a lot of time, but it's not like a big payoff. Um, the plumbing was pretty cool. There was a bit of a payoff there for me. But once walls start going up, it's going to be like, yeah, it's going to feel very real. So we're looking forward to that next step. But they're finishing up some detail work on that on the uh, concrete slab. And uh, the, the contractor had told me that they would probably need to do it in two or three pours because it was big. But they found the trucks and brought all the cemented once and we Got it all done in one day, pretty much the pour. So that was cool. So that's exciting. 
Um, yeah, oh, so exciting. <laughs> if you can't tell, <laughs> I'm pretty excited. <laughs> okay, so now what's the big change to the website? So this is at dancefish.com. And the change is this. People have been asking forever, will you email me when something comes in stock or can you create a wish list? Well, Random Arms has done it. Here is our wish list. This is where all the items that out of stock that are out of stock are listed. And I have three in my list right now. Here's all the rest of the stuff with the green button that is no longer in stock. But if I wanted it, all I'd have to do is click that. And then it turns it red and moves a copy up here for me. So I can look at a glance here and know these are my items in my wish list. If they are here, then the moment these items come back in stock, you'll get an email. Um, so you'll know. It, I mean, it's, this is not a new concept, right? Wish lists are well known. Um, but you can go by, by category and add your stuff. So that's pretty exciting. Oh yeah, orange Venezuelan quarries. Got to have more of those. Everybody wants them. We do have some more that we'll be adding to stock soon. Um, we always just sell kind of the biggest, fattest of any fish we have first to give the smaller fish a chance to feed up and, and catch up. So uh, we do have some more that we'll be listing pretty soon that are about ready to go. But that's the functionality. I think it's pretty cool. Um, the other way you can use this is, so that's the big wish list category here at the bottom of all the categories. But another way you can use it is if you're looking at a specific category, it'll start at the top with the stuff we have in stock, like usual, you know, these nice yellow gold buttons. But then down here, here's all the cichlids that we have that are out of stock. So you can also add this way by category. If you happen to be looking at a category and uh, not find what you want, then maybe it's down a little further. So I want to thank Jonathan for, for all his work on that. It's uh, it's cool to finally have it done. And uh, yeah, it might be our most requested. Now that PayPal is working, <laughs> it might be our most requested uh, item that people want so that they can get notified when something comes back. So we're all excited. And... I think this will solve a lot of issues. There's just no way, for a while there, I was keeping up and I would email people when stuff came in stock, but things got, we're, we're growing enough and things got busy enough that there was just no way I could keep up with it, remember. So here's a good fix. And again, you know, not earth shattering. Lots of websites have wish lists and have for a long time, but, but I like it. I like how Jonathan set it up. I think it's gonna be good. Well, it's only 7-Eleven. How convenient. <laughs> Makes me want to start a chain of convenience stores. Um, but that's all I had for you. Well, there's a couple other things. I think I talked last month about um, that we set a record. So last month we had more fish sales than any previous month ever. And this month so far, we've already beat, I think, I think maybe doubled the sales that we had this month a year ago. So it's everything's going in the right direction. The move to post on Aquabid is, is paying off. Um, we're getting exposed. New folks are getting to know us that just didn't know we were here before. Because um, a lot of people go on Aquabid that don't know about Dan's fish. Not every 
like most of the people that know about us either know us from YouTube or because a friend sent them. Um, usually the friend knows us from YouTube. So this is a way to kind of get a whole new category of folks aware of us. And it's, it's doing well. This, this month is going very nicely. We aren't experiencing as much a dip as we usually do. What we usually experience is we get a new import in. It, um, we list it for sale. The sales go nuts for a little while. But then everyone in our customer base kind of has what they need. And, and sales kind of slow down. And we go to this dip. So it's this bi-monthly monthly cycle of one month high sales, next month lower sales, next month high sales. And what we've experienced this month so far is last month was the high sale month. And this month is lower sales, but not nearly as low as it usually dips. So, um, it, I mean, it, it's not a big surprise, right? Expand your customer base, sell more. Duh, <laughs> like we kind of figured, but it's nice to see that the, the work on that and that, that one little piece of the expansion plan actually paying out. So we're, we're grateful for that. You know, I'd like to also thank my affiliates that are sending folks our, our way. Um, Steenfot Aquatics and, um, oh, the name of this Facebook group, it's very long. It's Shrimp Plants Nano Fish. I've got to look it up. I always get the order wrong. Um, so hang on, because I want to thank Mario's, who owns that um, planted aquarium shrimp and nano fish. That's it. Um, Facebook group called Planted Aquariums Shrimp and Nano Fish. I'll just link it here real quick. Um, are sending folks our way as well, and we want to say thank you to our affiliates for doing that. There is a third affiliate signed up, but I can't announce who they are yet because they're still getting their ducks in a row and haven't really announced their affiliation yet. And we, we leave that to the affiliate to have the privilege of deciding when they're ready to do that and have everything set up. But um, the reason I want to bring that up is if you do plan on ordering from dancefish.com and you want to support one of our affiliates, um, if you go to Steenfot's, uh, Steenfot Aquatics is the YouTube channel, or to the Facebook group that I just listed, um, Planted Aquariums, Shrimp, and Nanofish, then you can select their link, and that'll help support them. So Bob and Marios do a lot for us, so we want to uh, send people their way so they're successful as well. So if you plan on doing an order, then... Uh, that's one way to do it. If you appreciate what Bob Steenfot does, or if you're a fan of that uh, Facebook group and you've got value, then that's a nice way to give back. So, um, all right. Hey, we got a super chat here. You know what? There was one earlier that I saw and then it disappeared though. Was it, Pe I think it was Peplin Creek's Aquatics. I can't scroll up that far anymore, but yeah, I think it was a super chat from Peplin Creek Aquatics with a whole bunch of snails on it. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you, Peplin Creek Aquatics. I mean, the giveaway is enough. You're providing the items for the giveaway this week, so I don't have to provide them and pay the shipping. So that's, that's a huge benefit to me, but you know, thanks for throwing five bucks on top of that. That's awesome. Xanadu do also throwing down $5 and saying, thanks, Jonathan and Dan for the great fish you sent in the warehouse progress and the wish listed with, <laughs> I can't say that wish list, wish list addition. There, I got my mouth to work. Hey, you're welcome. Xanadu do thanks for being a good customer and for the super chat. We appreciate it. Um, 
with that, I think we can now get to questions and comments. I think it's that time. That only took 16 minutes. So we'll see how many questions and comments there are. It might be a short stream today. Usually we have more to talk about, but, um, oh, tipper tie. Yes. So we've made progress on the tipper tie. We've narrowed down the machine. We um, have been able to have the bags that are sent to us by one of our main importers tested to make sure that that size bag works fine with that tipper tie machine and the clip that they use. It does. And so uh, that's, uh, that's getting a lot closer. We're about ready to finalize this. We also now know which size clips we need to use to, to keep the bag watertight and all that. So um, had to do a little research because it's a very expensive unit and we didn't want to do an oopsie where we bought the unit and bought a whole bunch of clips and then we're like, oh, <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> we're, we're trying to be a little more responsible with the company's money than that. So, but it, we, we did the research, we did the tests and it looks like it's going to work just fine. So I want to thank Orange Cones again, who uh, broke down the, the wall and allowed us to get in touch with Tipper Tie and make this happen. Thank you so much. I was, I didn't know what else. I, for those that don't know, I've been trying to get a Tipper Tie machine for a long time to help with um, transition from the LAX import location where the fish come in to me, where the fish are sent after they arrive in the United States and uh, could not get a hold of the machine, could not find another machine with a long enough clip. It would wrap around the bags of that size. Cause they're pretty big bags. Most of the clips just do like, you know, sausage casings, which is like two to four inches or something. And uh, orange cones came in was like, I got this and they had it. <laughs> so thanks again. All right questions and comments i'm coming for them first one is foxy's fishes thanks for the snails foxy's fishes we appreciate it saying love the hashtag hey sherlock <laughs> i usually have to be uncreative with hashtags because i get in trouble because they get too complicated but i think we can pull off a sherlock the desert shadow will the warehouse have a public storefront yes and no at first it will not we need to um, get in there and get a better sense of it and get all set up. So it's going to be a little while. But once we're all set up and stuff, the tentative idea is that we could be open. Not every day. Um, we have to work that around other things. But yes, it will. Uh, there, the hours will be somewhat limited, but um, we'll announce all that later when we have a better feel for things. What we don't want to do is be open so much that we can't keep up. So we're trying to be responsible in how we do that. Um, in the Desert Shadow, are you in Wyoming? That would be awesome if you are. Patrick's Aquatics, <laughs> you need an additional employee. I'm so close to getting out of tax accounting. Well, um, we are looking for an employee and we've changed tact a little bit. Now that Mandy is here full time running operations and by the way, knocking it out of the park, like she's absolutely wonderful. Every day she leaves and Jonathan and I look at each other and we're like, oh, it's so nice to have that help. Or the other thing we say is, how did we do this before Mandy came? <laughs> so she's doing a great job. 
And now that we've experienced working with her and, and workflows and stuff, we've decided um, that instead of looking for an additional operations person to help her, at first what we need is to nail down that kind of marketing position. So if you're someone that likes to make content for YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, blog posts, newsletter, create, helps us help create a newsletter and, and generally create content and place that content effectively, then yeah, we're, we're in the market. Um, we're, we're about to announce that officially. Let's call this the soft announcement. Um, but if anyone listening is interested and you have skills with a camera, know how to use some Photoshop, know how to edit a video, know how to troubleshoot when there's sound issues on a video and prevent that and, you know, know your way around equipment and, and like doing that, then we're interested in talking to you. Just send a cover letter and resume. Those are the instructions. <laughs> you know, the first test is, can people follow the instructions? It's an amazing how many can't. Cover letter and resume. Email those to dan at dancefish.com um, and we'll take a look. We'll do an official announcement. Um, honestly, I've just been waiting for some time to free up. Like I said, last month was our busiest month of all time. And this month is shaping up to be very busy too. So I just haven't got around to making that video. But we will make, be making a video officially announcing the position and um, talking about what we're looking for in that person um, to make it a little better than what I'm doing right now. But yeah, if you have, if you know your way around a camera and the software associated with the camera, then we would like to talk with you. And yeah, tax accounting, if you're going to get out, get out before April. <laughs> all right. Lots of, lots of colorful hearts in the chat, man. Thanks for all the love, spreading the love. Craigers Fish. Can you speak on keeping right uh, radinocentris or not a series creek? I'm thinking of keeping my first rainbow tank. Thanks. Yeah, I, I can do that. Um, I've had series creek. I've had Evans head, and I've had uh, another one. And what I found is that they're just as hardy and honestly as easy as any other rainbow species. If you can keep Chilotherina or Glossolepis or Melanotania. Um, they're going to do great for you. Now, it says your first rainbow tank, so I don't know if you've kept those or not. But rainbow fish, in my experience, if they come from a reliable source and they've had time to become acclimated before they get to you, or you know how to, like, properly acclimate newly landed fish, in my experience, they're pretty darn hardy. Every now and then something goes wrong, but it does with every kind of fish. There's no fish that's immune from the possibility of an issue, right? But... In my experience, they've been great. They're active. I would recommend, the one thing I would recommend with them is that you get a decent-sized group because they do tend, from what I experienced, to be a little more skittish than your other rainbows if they're not in a decent-sized group, um, at least for the first while. It took the radinocentris that I've had a little longer to settle in than most other fish. Once they did, they were pretty out and about. Like when you go up to feed, they'll come up for the food and all that. But they do spook a little easier than the other rainbow fish that I've kept. At least that's my impression, thinking back on them. Um, they eat anything, uh, prepared foods, live foods, frozen foods. Rainbow fish are little piggies, not hard to feed. 
And they can jump. I would keep a lid. Now they aren't real jumpers, but like killifish or wild type bettas that you put them in and you don't have a lid the next day, they're all going to have jumped pretty much. It's not quite like that. But if you don't have a lid in time, you'll find some on the floor. And that's pretty much most rainbow fish, maybe all rainbow fish. Um, give them time. All the radnocentris need time to color up. They look like kind of silver, brown, tan fish until they kind of grow up to a certain age and then they get color and they start firing. They're really unique rainbow fish and a great choice. So um, I don't have any right now, but you can get some from Marcel. Let me show you this. Marcel breeds them and distributes them. Um, there might be other folks. I just don't know anyone else off the top of my head. I, I, I'm not trying to say no one else does it, but Marcel here. Oh, what's his picture? It's a beautiful radnocentris. Does he have any available? He usually does. Yeah, he has some Series Creek available. 10 of them for 100 bucks. That is a steal. That is 10 bucks per fish. That is a rare, hard to find fish. And you can get them for 10 bucks each from Marcel. That's, that's a killer deal. I couldn't come close to that. So, and Marcel has bred and raised these. The provenance is known. Um, he got his eggs from Gary Lang. So, yeah, I think, I think that's the move right there, to tell you the truth. All right, let me get back to the snails in case I show that a little later. So, so that's my thoughts, Craiger. Um, it was a general question, so you're getting kind of a general answer. If you have any specific questions, please let me know, but they'll do well in a wide range of parameters. Um, they have a pretty wide temperature tolerance. They're hardy fish. They need room to swim, though. Keep them in a large tank. You know, at least four feet would be my recommendation. If you got a bigger tank, six feet is great. Four is fine, though. Marie Z, let me know. Good. I've been I've been actually meaning to ask you, Marie Z, how the plecos are doing. The L236 Super Whites and the L46 Zebras are doing great. Good. Glad to hear it. Thanks for letting me know. Um, they started moving. Uh, we sold another one, I think, today. I had someone reach out that wants to purchase a group. They haven't done it yet, but they're interested in going back and forth. Um, you know, checking on provenance and all that, which is very important with this with the L236s. So they're starting to move. I think people are starting to figure out about them. So I'm glad to hear that yours are doing well and that you got some because I don't know how quick they'll sell, but I feel the momentum coming. As Kirk Patrick, will black tiger Dario's eat flake food or pellet or am I stuck with frozen and live, frozen and freeze dried or live only? So, these fish tricked me once upon a time. I thought that I had converted them to eat um, extreme nano pellets, and I was very pleased with myself. <laughs> and so I fed them those for a while, along with frozen and live, and you know, the mix, the rotation. And they're all doing great. So I was like, look, they're eating. And then one day I took a look and I was like, why are they like, okay, so there's a the secret to keeping any of the Dario species in large numbers, because they can be very aggressive with each other, is lots of cover. So I was keeping them in a bare bottom aquarium, and 75% of that aquarium was absolutely choked with Java moss across the bottom, up to about 
six inches from the bottom. So like a mat of Java moss. And then the side was kept clear, you know, by the filters and all that. And what happens in those situations is each fish finds a little niche within that Java mat. It's not compact, right? There's room in there. They can swim down and, and find a little pocket to call their own. Um, but that's how I found you can keep large numbers in a single tank. If you don't have a lot of cover, which in this case was provided by the Java moss, they get very aggressive with each other. Um, there's a few that will become dominant and all the rest will become um, stressed out and skinny and all that. So that's how I kept them. So one day I fed and then for some reason I had to shortly thereafter go in and move the Java moss probably to catch some I don't know why. I don't remember why. Um, but I had to do that. And I moved the Java moss and I saw a bunch of those pellets down there. And I was like, wait a minute. And so I fed them some more and I saw them come and eat them. I was like, yeah. It, but then I followed the fish for a few minutes and it ended up spitting it out. So I was like, oh, weird. So then I tried again. Same result. Other fish would grab them. It would look like they were eating them but they would hold them for a long time in their mouths and then spit them out. So um, at that point, I was like, ooh, I guess I didn't get them to eat pellet food. So in my experience so far with all the Dario species I've kept, which aren't that many, let's be honest, it's Dario Dario, the Scarlet Battis, and the Black Tiger Dario. Those are the two that I've kept. Um, I've never gotten them to eat flakes or pellets. I've only gotten them to eat frozen foods or live foods. If you've gotten them to eat freeze-dried foods, that's a step above what I've been able to do. So good on you. <laughs> um, but yeah. So once upon a time, I thought they were, but it turned out they weren't. And by the way, um, the other thing that I did was I kept scuds in that tank with them because I knew food would fall into the Java moss and I didn't want it to just rot. So there's a healthy scud population in there uh, to eat all the food that gets into the moss and sinks far enough that the black tiger Darios couldn't get to it. So anyone that's worried about a mat of decomposing food under the Java moss, that wasn't happening. Um, but it was soon enough after I'd fed that it was still there. Dylan Patton throwing down a super chat. Thank you so much. $5 falling from the sky. We appreciate it. Never required but always appreciate it. Finally made it to a stream. Yes, excited for Fishtoberfest. Me too. Got my housing situated today. I'm going up a little early to take care of some business and got that the, the lodging taken care of. Thanks to the folks that are going to give me a place to stay. I appreciate it. And um, I'm excited to get up there. Yeah, it's, it's happening. I'm going. Um, I'm almost done figuring out exactly, uh, I, I've got to, again, talk to the person in charge of what technology will be available for the presentation and how we're setting it up. Cause the last thing I want to do is make an assumption and then not have it work. I did that before when I, I, oh, I won't say the name of the club cause I don't want to point fingers, but I was invited to talk to a club and before I went, we emailed and I was like, I, I have this presentation on PowerPoint and it has videos and stuff embedded in it. And, and, um, will do you have the software to make that work and they thought they did but it turned out I, I couldn't get the videos to play and a lot of that presentation was based on showing videos to give people a reference point and then and then talking about the the subject of the talk and so um now i'm very careful <laughs> <laughs> and no shade on them. They were wonderful people. Um, it really, it's not, 
I'm not pointing fingers, but after that experience, I'm just extra careful to make sure that everyone knows the tech specs for that we need for the presentation. But once that's hammered out, I'm ready to go. And I can do it lots of ways. I, I can do it without any tech at all. I can do it with tech, but I just want to know what I have so I know what to plan. Scary Terry, hello, right back at you. <laughs> Not hello, hello. Kelly Foreman throwing down 20 bucks. Kelly, thank you so much for the super chat. I appreciate it. You know it's good when it's bright orange. Looks like I need to make a wish list. Yes. Thanks, Random Arms. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Random Arms. <laughs> Wait, do it again. There they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny how things stick sometimes <laughs> like breeding is pleasure three times tanks equals world peace there's been a few over the years that have stuck <laughs> I just saw your arms on the replay that was hilarious <laughs> oh man okay chat jumped while I was giggling away so let me get uh get to where the chat is i'm going i'm going i'm going wow chat really jumped there we go back to more scary terry i'm pretty stoked i made it to live stream this week i'm stoked to have you i know that life's busy and a lot of folks can't make it live or can't make it regularly live so it's always cool when a schedule changes or something and people can even if it's just for a bit so cheers welcome glad you're here Although, I mean, Scary Terry makes it to several. So I'm not implying you haven't been showing up to class. <laughs> you know what? I just realized I haven't thanked my moderators yet. They do an amazing job. So my moderators, mwah, thank you. Appreciate you. Love you. Thanks for doing what you do. Because you're fish. Hey, good to see you. I've been looking for Corydoras Histatus. Plan on getting any. I've been looking for them too. Um, I can find Pygmaeus, but Habrosis and Histatus... It's been difficult. There is a supplier that brings them in, but it's not a supplier I trust. Like when I order from that supplier, it's like 50% odds if there'll be a massive problem or if things will go okay. So I kind of avoid it. I just don't think it's fair to the fish. So I look for that fish. I want that fish. I want that one. And I want Habrosis in addition to Pygmaeus. Um, so... Seth, if I ever find any, I will bring them in as long as they're not from that supplier. That's where we're at with that. I mean, one thing I haven't done for a long time, and I've never done like on my own license either, is a South America import. Um, I do have some suppliers in South America, and they have lots of different quarries available. I haven't done that yet, though. And the main reason is this, is I found great suppliers for aquarium bred Corydoras and Plecos and Rainbows and stuff like that. And so if I can find a good aquarium bred source, that's where I generally try to buy. Just because then you're not impacting environments, you're not impacting fish populations, which by the way, honestly... In most cases, the freshwater aquarium trade is not responsible for depletion of fish populations. 
I, I think I can safely say that. There's been a couple instances where that might not be true, but in general, it's, it's done in a way that um, isn't wiping out fish populations. Freshwater fish populations generally get wiped out from development. Their habitats are scraped away by bulldozers and roads and factories are built there or palm oil plantations or pick your crop or your industry, gold mining, whatever. Um, that's usually what does it. But I feel like if we can breed good fish responsibly with very genetics in aquariums and I have access to those sources, um, that's probably less stressful on the fish. They haven't gone through the rigor of being collected and transported so many stops to make it to the exporter and all that. Um, and so I, I can probably get, um, which one were you looking for? I can't remember. Hybrosis or histatus? Histatus. Um, from a South American supplier, but I would need that import to be not just that fish, but that fish plus enough other fish that I can't get um, that are aquarium bred and raised to make that worth it. And I've shied away because right now I can't take the hit. I can't take the risk. Um, I've been taking more risks in getting more expensive stuff in. That's always a risk because as you're, as you bring in more expensive stuff, the margin on the more expensive items shrinks. So therefore if something goes wrong, you're left holding the bag. At least I do. Cause I guarantee everything, including the shipping associated with each fish. Um, so I've been taking more risk, but only from suppliers that I know to be rock solid. In my experience in the past with bringing in fish is that wild collected plecos often arrive emaciated in poor shape. Same with wild quarries, wild fish, especially from South America, uh, wild fish just often don't get the care they need. And I'm trying to change this industry so that at all levels, fish are treated humanely. Now I'm not saying that always happens and I'm not saying it happens from every exporter or anything, but I haven't, I can't, yet take the risk of trying an exporter or trying a source and realizing, oh, they do a real poor job. Um, I, I don't have the flexibility yet to do that. So that would kind of gut me financially. Um, and by me, I mean the company. We're still a small company just in a, in a basement in the garage. With the warehouse coming on board, the hope is that there will be enough wiggle room that we can occasionally try a new supplier and see if they're good or not. And if they are excellent, we've locked in another good source and we can work with them uh, to increase the tenderness <laughs> with how the fish are treated at all levels of the supply chain. Right. Um, but that's gonna that will necessarily entail some financial cushion and the company's too small right now to to do that so that's if you want to get to the nuts and bolts of why uh seth that's that's why now i'm not saying i don't want to say that every fish collected from nature is poorly treated and comes in emaciated and has problems and all that but um the supply chain gets a lot more complicated often, not always, but often when you have to buy from an export house because 
the fish are being, there might be a village that collects one to three kinds of fish. That's what they do. And then another collector up the river, half a day that collects another kind of fish. And then another collector on another tributary that collects another kind of fish. And what happens is someone goes on a boat and goes to all these little collection points and picks up the fish and takes them by river down to Manaus. And from there they go to Berlin in Brazil, and then they're shipped up to the United States. Well, it's quite the journey for the fish from collection to this little village where they're kept in like a, I don't know, an oil drum cut in half or something like that, right? Um, until the person can come on their boat, pick them up. And it's a long journey. It's several days until they finally get down to Manaus. I mean, there's other hubs too. This is just one example. Um, and from Manaus, they come up to the United States or they go to Berlin and go up to the United States. Um, so it's just more likely that you'll have trouble. And, and I found some really solid guys that um, collect and in, in raise a lot of fish responsibly. So I'm kind of sticking with them for now. But I will do that. I will try some other things and figure some things out. We built that into the business plan. But we're not to the point in the business plan yet where we can we can do that. Okay, I, I've probably talked about that long enough. <laughs> Seth's probably like, 10 minutes ago, Seth was probably like, okay, I got it. <laughs> but just a little insight of where my thoughts are on, on that process. The Desert Shadow, close, I'm in Montana. Hey, that is close. If you're in Billings, that's closer to me than most of Wyoming. <laughs> All right. Orange cones. Are you going to paint? Okay, hang on. Orange cones always throws down witty comments, but I usually get them so far after they're left that I can't remember what they're attached to. And so I don't know what they're... (laughs) So the wit is lost on me. Are you going to paint? I don't remember what that was in reference to. I'm sorry. I'm so far behind. I know. I know. Craigers Fish throwing out five bucks. Hey, always appreciated. Never required, but it makes my wife super happy when when money falls out of the computer screen. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dan, for taking the time to answer uh, for my question tonight. Hey, you're welcome. Um, I hope I was helpful. And I always hate it when someone throws down a super chat. And I end up being like, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> that always feels bad. Well, in general, I don't like doing that. But when someone actually threw down money, uh, yeah, that's that's bad. FYI, wild-caught documentary, documentary on YouTube is really good. Look at the whole supply chain of tropical fish coming out of Brazil. Highly recommend. Yeah, is that the one that um, Aquarium Co-op supported? Um, it's been on my watch list forever. But I, I kid you not, it's been months years since I've had time to like sit down and be like, okay, the fish are shipped, they're fed, they're medicated, the customers are cared for, um, whatever I need set up for tomorrow or the next day is done. I've got a couple hours. I can watch this documentary. Like it's been on my, my list to, to see for quite a while. Luckily for me, I have very close friends. Some, some are family at this point that um, 
are very familiar with Brazil. Um, my fish godfather, Jim Forche, has been collecting in the Amazon like nine times, uh, maybe more, but at least nine times, and um, goes and visits the wholesalers and knows the whole chain and a lot, lots of people. So I'm pretty familiar with it, but I do want to see that documentary. Um, so Zana Dudu, is that the one um, that wasn't on Venmo, not Venmo, uh, Vimeo? I always get those confused. Venmo and Vimeo. Um, I'm perfectly willing to pay the five bucks or whatever to see it. It's just been like, I haven't, I haven't found the time. Or if I have had the time, it hasn't popped in my head to watch it at that moment. Oh, Orange goes, are you going to paint the tipper tie orange? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a valid it's a valid question. We wouldn't have it if it wasn't for you. The the only reason I wouldn't do that is because I'd be afraid that paint would get in the works and like gum things up. Or if we sent it in, it would, they'd be like, this is no longer warranted because it's got globs of orange paint on it or something. But um, I think it deserves to be painted orange. <laughs> I think it should be. I just don't know if we can. Kyle Aquarium Metrics. The other one is Carlin Creek. Got them from you a while back. My precox keeps trying to spawn with one of the females. Silly fish. <laughs> boys will be boys. Um, Reezy asking live chat. Yes, I am in live chat. Bink. Live chat. I know you're seeing top chat, but I do appreciate you asking me that because uh, sometimes I get it wrong. Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics. Not just Aquatics anymore. If you like well, reptiles and birds and other exotics, um, not just fish. Check out Bob's channel, throwing down nine 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 with our good friend Pippi Longstocking cheering us on. Thank you, Bob, for brightening my evening with the Pippi sticker. <laughs> Everything about that sticker is perfect. Everything. Um, all right. Wow, here we go. My fish tanks aquatics. Can snails be kept with red paradise fish? Yes and no. I've definitely kept pails uh, with... <laughs> I've kept pails with paradise fish. Snails with paradise fish. I'm not as thick as you drunk I am, Ossulfer. Um, But they were like little bladder snails and ram's horn snails that were just in the tank naturally. I've never tried them with like these nice mystery snails that are being given away or trapdoor snails or rabbit snails or something like that. I'm sure that they'll pick a little antenna. I'm sure that they'll bother a big snail, but I don't know if this snail will, you know, suck in and deny them the privilege often enough that they'll eventually give up or if it'll be an ongoing thing until the snail is pestered to death. I, I have no idea. So anyone here, if you kept paradise fish, with snails long-term, not like little pond snails or bladder snails or little ramshorn snails, but like mystery snails or nerites or rabbits or something like that. Would you let us know so my fish tank aquatics can get a better, more, more informative answer than I was able to provide? That would be appreciated. Okay. Oh, one thing that I think is super exciting, and I can't reveal what they are yet, 
but my supplier reached out. I, I sent in an order last week for the next import, and there's some good stuff on there. My supplier reached out and basically was like, well, I know you get a lot of rainbows. Would you be interested in these? And there are two species that I've never seen before, ever in person, never even seen a picture of. They're like these phantom species that um, they have and they're breeding and they have some available. So they're, they, they aren't identified yet. They're just from, you know, location codes. And I'm not going to say what they are yet. I'm going to wait and see if they arrive and, and well, first, do they actually show up? Because <laughs> sometimes you order stuff and get shorted or it didn't look good or it came down with an issue and couldn't ship, whatever. Um, and uh, make sure they get through quarantine and stuff okay. But it was one of those moments uh, doing what I do where I got like giddy excited. Like I've, I've heard of these fish, but I've never seen them. There aren't even pictures available. And I was just like, no way. <laughs> You've got those. Yes, I will take them all. You know, it's that kind of moment. So for you rainbow, you bowheads out there, you rainbow fish nerds, um, two species that I think, yeah, I, I think you're going to like be so happy you cry <laughs> when you hear about them. More on that later, though. Um, yeah, this is good. Uh, so Get Gills, a.k.a. Jonathan, a.k.a. Random Arms, is saying if anyone has any idea how to make the fish list, I'm sorry, <laughs> if I could read, the wish list or anything better on the website, please just send an email, jonathan at dancefish.com. We're, we're always looking for feedback. One thing that's hard for us is we never get the experience that you guys get exactly. We can do some testing. We can approximate some things, but there's limits to what we can understand on our side of the screen. So it's very helpful when folks on the other side of the screen chime in or like, Hey, I'm getting this weird thing. Like what? What? Could you send us a screenshot of that? Cause we've never seen that in our testing or I have an idea that could make it better this way or Nope. It's great. Then it's like, Oh good. We don't have to fix anything. Right. So, but the most useful things are the ideas for improvement for iteration, for how we can take something to make it even better. When we, we look for the, that feedback, that the site is as good as it is because of feedback like that. Well, and because Jonathan's brilliant. Rough eyes, rough eyes, can't do it. I swear, guys, this is water. I promise, I promise. Rough ivy rose. What are the yellow and orange fish behind you? I think they're fabulous looking. Well, thank you. I think they are fabulous. These are golden roseline barbs. Sahayadra denisoni, sometimes called torpedo barbs, sometimes called um, roseline barbs, denison barbs, roseline sharks, all kinds of names. Those are the gold form. Um, I Last week when I ordered, I did try to get 80 of them. Um, getting goose egg, there are just none available. There, There's very low supply and very high demand. So, so far in the last little over a year, that I've gotten to know the, the person who originated that strain and is breeding them and distributing them. Um, I've been able to get them in twice. Every now and then we strike gold, like literally, <laughs> but usually there just are none available. So I keep trying for everyone that's asking. I keep trying. Trust me, every order I try. 
And there's limited quantities, but I always try to order a lot just in case. The good news is, though, for those that have been waiting, um, Corridor's Equus. Uh, we will have a limited supply coming in on this next order. And that's all that we'll have for, I think, a year. They just did not do well for the breeder this year. There's almost none available. I think we'll get around 30, and that's all they've got. So um, just to warn you up front, when that happens, prices increase. These are going to be very expensive for me to bring in because everyone in the world wants them. The only reason I'm getting them is because for several months, like nine months, I've been ordering them and trying to get them, and the, and the breeder knows that, and specifically asking, any this time? Okay, I'll try next time. Any this time? You know, trying to get them. And they told me, hey, I've got some eggs a while ago. I've got eggs. You know, I'm going to breed some up. I'll save you a couple hundred. Um, well, that didn't happen. Just things didn't go well. So um, the only reason I'm getting them is because of that promise. So. Yeah, they're tough right now. Jimmy P's Aquariums finally made it. Hey, Dan. Hey, right back at you. Glad you made it. And, and there is a little bit of a language barrier. So I don't know for sure if like of all the breeding, only 30 ever made it. It could be that they bred so few that they're only selling 30 at a time because they've got such limited numbers and they want the folks in Germany and Japan and you know everywhere else to be able to have some too. So I'm not quite sure, but um, all I know is, all I'm getting is 30 and that's all there is. All right, Sharon Miller, what is the best loach to have that would eat pond snails? I am overrun with them. Okay, so I like coolie loaches because they have little, little faces and can get in tight places and get little pond snails, but also botias. So this would be any of your botia species. So the genus is botia, B-O-T-A. Let's, let's look at this. A lot of botias here, lots of different kinds. Well, this is not actually a botia. We want the genus name to actually be botia. There are a lot of fish that are called botia popularly, but are not. So if you look at the scientific name, it needs to say botia. Now these will, these tiger loaches here, they will definitely eat snails, but they'll also harass your fish. I mean, they can go in a community tank, but it has to be a community tank with large, semi-aggressive, tough fish. They won't do well in your typical little tank with guppies and tetras and all that. Uh, I like zebra loaches a ton. They don't get too big. They're nice fish. I like them in a group. Yo-yo loaches will do it. Um, histrionica will do it. Um, dwarf chain loaches will do it. Any of those botia types will definitely do it, as will coolie loaches. Oh, I wasn't showing this, was I? Wait, I was. I just clicked back. Please tell me you saw that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so um, those are my thoughts. I can't remember if my rosy loaches ate snails. I, I think they didn't, if I remember right. But yeah, that's a good way to control a snail population and will make your loaches fat and sassy for sure. s &T, Aquatics, other than SAEs, are there any fish you can think of that will eat BBA? Um, I have heard that Gara will. I haven't seen it. 
because I haven't tried it. I'm not saying I haven't seen it. I tried it and I didn't. I'm not saying that. But I've heard that Gara will. So maybe some Panda Gara. Um, we have some Gara Gotoyla right now, the Sunset Gara in stock on sale. And just so you know, anytime I have a tank with any kind of issue, like there's any kind of algae at all, or um, you get that kind of algae scuzz buildup on the bottom, on a bare bottom tank, something like that. I put them in there and they, they take care of it. So those might do it. The best eater of BBA that I know of are scuds. So this doesn't work for everyone. It depends. Like if you have shrimp in your tank, you're not going to want to do this because if scuds get in there, they're going to outcompete your shrimp. But what I like to do is keep a separate tank of scuds, a little culture of them. You keep them just like fish. Get a sponge filter in there, cycle tank. You can put in some plants, whatever you want. Um, just keep a population of them in there. Change the water like you would with fish. Just treat it like a fish tank. Um, feed them veggies. I feed mine like zucchini that I've coined or pretty much any veggie matter they'll eat. They'll eat fish food too, but it gets a little messier. Um, and um, whenever I have a plant that has algae or BBA or anything like that or a rock or whatever, I take it out of the aquarium. I put it in the scud tank. They eat that. BBA is gone real quick. A couple days. Depends on your population, I suppose. Um, then you take the rock or the decoration or the plant out of the scud tank and put it back in the fish tank. And there will be a couple scuds that are, you know, stuck to it. And the fish will be like num nums and come and eat them. And it works out really well. So that's, that's the way I handle that. I know that doesn't work for every setup and it might not work for you, but it's an idea. Um, but, you know, if it's in your gravel and all that, then that's a little hard. So maybe some Gara. Does anyone else know of something that eats BBA? And not that like you heard on the internet or read a Facebook post or something, but that you've actually experienced that eats BBA, uh, that did a good job of doing that. If so, would you chime in so we can have some more options here? <clears throat> Isaac M. just wanted to let you know the corridors Adolfoy are doing well. Awesome. Thank you for the great fish. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, that is one, this, this group of Adolfoy, we had a couple issues with, not not many, but a few. So I'm glad to hear they're doing well. Um, we took them off the site so that we could do some tests to make sure that there were two folks that had some problems. And so we wanted to make sure that was kind of isolated, that that wasn't going to be what everyone experienced. So we're running some tests um, to make sure they're okay. We think they are, and they'll probably be listed for sale again very shortly, but when one customer has an issue, again, out of the batch of quarries they, they were sent, it was like one or two. It wasn't like a, all of them. And my feeling is with the weather being the way it is right now, um, we do a pretty darn good job. But there are some places that are hot enough we have to put in cold packs. There's some places that are cold enough we have to put in hot packs. And there's some places that don't need anything. And the places that do need something are right on the fringe. So if it needs a hot pack and we put the hot pack in um, and we don't judge it right, there is a chance that box gets hotter than it should. And the same with the cold packs because it's like just barely warm enough to need a cold pack in most cases. I mean, Arizona's still hot. but <laughs> um, And so... It, it, it's this time of year, the fall and the spring, when we have more issues, 
Now, I don't want you to think it's a lot of issues. It's, it's a very small percentage. But for us, it's noticeable because we have like no problems usually. Um, it's fall and spring when the weather changes and you're in those edge cases of it's like, I think it needs a heat pack. And if we wrap the heat pack thickly and stuff, it won't get too hot in there. But it's right on the edge. But if we don't, it looks like it's going to be in the 40s that night and only get to, I don't know, the low 60s that day. We probably should put a heat pack in there, but it's it's going to go through some areas in travel, though, that are warm. And so you're playing that game. So generally this time of year, that's what the issue is. But anytime more than one person has an issue with a group of our fish that we ship to them, um, we like, ooh, we should pause and take a look and just make sure as much as we ever can, that it's not something on our end with our fish. And so that's what we've done. Um, there were one person has one loss. It's like, that's probably happenstance, but a second person had a loss um, as well, or two losses actually. And so not, not groups of fish, just individual fish, total of three losses. And so it was like, Ooh, a separate person had an issue as well. So we dug in a bit, but I think they're good. So if you're looking for corridors at Dolfoy, um, we'll, we'll release those for sale again very shortly, unless unless something unexpected happens. And, and by the way, there is an issue with Adolfoy, which is most of the Adolfoy in the hobby, according to literature, you know, I don't know where they get all their information, but according to the literature and people that seem to know, or actually, uh, is it Duplicaris? And those are species that look so similar that you really can't tell them apart. So my supplier said they're Adolfoy, so that's what I'm going with. But please know that anytime you get one or the other, there's a good possibility you have the other species. Um, unless you get them from like, I don't know, Ian Fuller or something like that. But I'm glad they're doing well for you. Orange cones, you should tell folks how bomb-proof I discovered Farewell it turned out to be. I'm still in awe. Yeah, me too. So orange cones had to move recently and um, had a situation where they had the, a big thing of java fern in their tank. And they got all the bunch of Farwella catfish in the tank, babies that they're raising up. And so they got all the Farwell off the plant and it was and then put the plant like in a bucket, right? And move the fish to their new thing. And uh, the next day, or was it a few days later? I can't remember the timeline exactly. Went out and took out the plant, maybe to throw it away or move it or whatever. And saw some farwell in the bucket that had been out of real water for quite a while. They were just damp and they were fine. They, they lived, they were tough as nails. So I was like, wow. So. I don't remember the story exactly, so I'm, I might be uh, getting a couple things wrong, but but the basic punchline is correct. So then, uh, I believe this plant goes to the new home and all that, and it's you know not in water; it's just damp. And then a few days later, they take the plant out to put it back in the tank or something like that. And uh, oh, there's a few more farwella. Still alive, still fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite the story, <laughs> how tough they are. Um, yep, damp Farwella lived for at least a few days over the course of a move. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, hey, good to see you. 
Hope you're doing well. How seasonal are imports of fish? I know my fish room is seasonal breeding-wise. Is there a general calendar of when fairly healthy fish of a given wild species are normally seen? So some fish are quite seasonal, some are not. The ones that come from the tropics, uh, I'm going to shut the door because some people just got home and it's getting a little noisy. I'll be right back. Most of the tropical regions, they don't have winter and summer like we do, but they have dry and wet seasons. During the wet season, it's impossible to collect a lot of the fish that we have in our aquariums. Um, it's just the water floods out and there's so much water flooding into the forest and beyond the river banks and the stream banks that the fish are so dispersed, they're, they're hard to get. Now, some you can, but in general, during the wet season, it's very difficult to collect fish. During the dry season, or at least when the thing isn't completely blown out with flooding, um, it's easier to collect fish. So that's the, that's the main seasonality. If you want to talk in general terms across any like tropical equatorial type region, which is where a lot of our fish come from. Now, breaking it down into individual fish, that gets, there's a lot of minutia there, but that's the, that's the general um, story there. Melissa Turner has thrown money at us. Thank you, Melissa Turner. Always appreciated, never required, but we are a little startup company, so every little bit does help, and we are appreciative of every little bit. Best way to treat coolie loaches for ick. Ooh, ouch. Also, best advice for becoming a breeder of hard-to-find fish on a small scale. Okay, let's start with the coolie loaches. So, for me, my go-to is a formalin-based and malachite green-based medication. The two that I usually use are either Hikari Ick-X or Fritz Mardell Quick Cure. Both of them are formalin-based medicine. They both work very well. I don't raise the temperature because I find that stresses fish out. When fish have ick, often it's in their gills. Um, so they're already a little compromised. Their, their respiration is already a little labored. Often you'll see them breathing rapidly. So I don't want to raise the temperature of the water and deplete the oxygen saturation in the water. So I don't do that. I know a lot of people do and no shade on them. If that works for them, hey, great. But I just use those medicines as per the instructions. Um, Often it takes several days. That parasite has a long life cycle, but it has uh, been very effective for me. I would recommend you go to uh, the Mad Aquarist's channel. He has Chris Biggs, the Mad Aquarist, on YouTube. He has had a um, video, he's released a video in two parts that he did recently with an actual aquatic veterinarian. And the subject of the video is ick. So it goes in depth. It's like two hours of in depth about ick, what it is, what its life cycle is, um, the do's and don'ts with it, how to treat it, all that. So, I mean, I'm telling you how I do it, but it might be good to watch that video and see how they do it. I also like to add salt with ick infestations. That's hard to do if you have a planted aquarium. Don't, don't do it if you have a planted aquarium. Um, also, if you pour a bunch of salt into an established, really bioactive tank with lots of little microbes in there and stuff, 
Um, sometimes you can shock the system. Those microbes die off. And even if the bacteria in the sponge filter doesn't die off or whatever filter you're using, even if the beneficial bacteria doesn't die off, that massive die off of like little nematodes and little critters that are all over our aquariums can cause an ammonia spike, which can kill your fish. So um, it depends on how your tank is set up, but if your tank has been gravel vacuumed and all the gunk is out of the filter or it's a bare bottom tank or somehow it's fairly clean of microbes, um, then I would add five grams of salt per liter uh, or five parts per thousand salt to your tank. That helps with osmotic regulation. Uh, ick is creating lots of little punctures, lots of little holes in the fish's skin and gills and stuff. And those are all points of stress where fresh water is going to invade the fish's tissues. And the fish's system is working overtime to stop that from happening. Happening. That's called osmoregulation. Um, that's rough on a fish in the best times. It takes a lot of their energy. A lot of the energy spent by a fish is spent on osmoregulation in the best of times. But when they are infested with a parasite that makes holes in them, then it gets really hard for them to maintain that. So the salt helps with that. That's why I do it. Um, salt may also inhibit ick from, you know, I don't know, being happy. <laughs> but for me, I do it for the osmoregulation. So that's my thoughts. Do it long term. Do it at least seven days, maybe longer. Um, I have not found ick medicines without salt. With salt, it's a little tricky because of the aforementioned reason. But without the salt, just the ick medicines, Hikari Ickex or Fritz Mardell Quick Cure, I've never had those medicines hurt shrimp or snails or plants or fish if used appropriately as directed. Maybe there's an edge case I don't know of, but, but I would do that. Now, people are going to freak out and be like, wait, we're talking about loaches here. You add salt to loaches? Yes. Every fish I ship and every fish that is shipped to me through our, our import hub in Los Angeles has five grams of salt per liter in the water. Even corridors, even really rare, expensive plecos, all that stuff. I do that because I've had discussions with aquatic veterinarians who have said, yes, that is safe. For every freshwater fish that they know of, five grams to eight grams of salt per liter, did I say gallon before? It's per liter, it's parts per thousand, um, is safe. And I think the idea... And I've seen this happen firsthand is that salt is not fit safe for plecos, catfish, gobies, loaches might come from the fact that these are bottom dwelling fish. And if you just take salt in its crystal form and dump it in the tank, you're going to create a hypersaline zone. And any fish that swims through that zone, usually bottom dwelling fish because the salt's going to sink to the bottom, is probably going to get a toxic shock of an overdose real quick of sodium chloride. And you'll see them start jerking around and go off and just die really suddenly. I, I have seen that happen. So the trick to adding salt to your aquarium, if you're going to do it, and there's already fish in there and stuff, is dissolve the salt beforehand. I don't know, get like a half gallon bucket or something, put some water in there, 
bubble the salt, dissolve it out beforehand, and then pour it gradually and gently across the whole aquarium. So there's no one spot where it's just like, this is super saturated right now. Uh, be careful with that. I've seen, I've seen fish die from that when people don't pre-dissolve the salt. Another trick I use is I hang a fine mesh net, like a large brine shrimp net in the aquarium. Um, it's the surface of the aquarium and I put the salt in there and the salt will gradually dissolve. I use rock salt, like pretty much, I, I guess you could call it rock salt, chunks of salt, like, I don't know, up to quarter inch chunks of salt. Um, and you put that in and the salt gradually dissolves and dissipates into the water column. So that can, that can be helpful as well. But the safest way is pre-dissolve it and gradually add it to the aquarium. So that's my thoughts, Melissa. I hope that that helps. But even without salt, I find Hikari Ickex and Fritz Mardell Quick Cure to be very effective. If indeed it's ick, you should be aware that there's 20 plus organisms or pathogens, I suppose you could say, that can create things that look like ick, white spots. Some of them are different parasites. Some of them are viral infections. There, there's other things. But if this is indeed ick, then... Uh, those two medications should do you. Yeah. That's my thoughts. Now, the next question. Also, best advice for becoming a breeder of hard-to-find fish on a small scale. I think my best advice would be don't succumb to collectoritis. There's lots of people that want to breed fish. Like, there's a species of fish. I love it. It's endangered. I'm going to breed it and distribute it and help the species. Scenarios like that, right? The problem is... There's also this fish over here that's also super cool, and this fish over there that's also super cool. And pretty soon, your tanks are full of fish, and you don't have the space to actually have a breeding program. Because if you have a breeding program, you need space to select your breeders and fatten them up, condition them. You need space to do the spawning. You need space to um, incubate the eggs and the very small fry. And you need space to raise all these baby fish up, up to market size or whatever the distribution distribution size is, however you're doing that. It takes several tanks per species to do that. Now, not always. You can get a tank chock full of plants and find some species, even rare ones, hard to find ones, that can just community breed and, and you'll get a small population going there, but that's not a real breeding program. So my biggest advice is avoid collectoritis, pick just a, a limited number of fish, based on the number of tanks you have, based on your tank space, and make sure you have several tanks available for each species you want to raise. Because then you'll be able to have an actual breeding program that's effective and makes an impact. All right, Skipper's Aquariums. I adopted a Rust Corridoras. I need some more. Have you ever had them on the list? Hint, hint. Skipper's, what's the scientific name? Um, so many common names. I'm not sure I know exactly what that fish is, but if I have the scientific name, I'll probably know what we're talking about. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's one I could get for you. Ooh, chat just jumped. Bam. Woo. Wow. Wow. Really jumped. <laughs> okay. I can't uh, chat cut off pretty hard there. The next one I can see is Michael Wiggins. So if I missed your question or comment, I'm sorry. It, it just literally YouTube cut it off and I, I can't scroll up high enough to see it. Um, Michael Wiggins says, orange vinyl should be fine for the tipper tie warranty. 
<laughs> oh man, I missed a whole discussion about orange tip attack. <laughs> Xanadu do. Seriously, you do need stickers to send with your orders. No legit fish tuber or even non-legit ones. <laughs> At least have stickers. Yes, yes. I know Xanadu was super disappointed not to have a sticker. But did you get a Christmas greeting? <laughs> Kelly Foreman. Dan, you're teasing me with this rainbow news. Oh, it's pretty good news, Kelly. It's pretty awesome. You rainbow fish tease. Yes, I know. I know. I just don't want to jinx it, but I shouldn't have said that much, really. But I'm too excited. I couldn't keep it in, but I, but I don't want to jinx it by saying what they are. Mitchell Broom. Not sure I have room for more unicorn rainbows. I just dropped a, dropped a chunk of change on the Ario Fuentes today. Ario Fuscus? Is that the one? I'll have to check later, but congrats. And um, yeah, I hear you. That's... You just need to get three times the number of fish tanks you currently have, and life will be good, and the world will be more peaceful. It's your duty, really. Really. <laughs> David Wycliffe, have you considered a wanted section on the website to give sellers a little extra info on what there might be a demand for? Yes, but here's the problem. We thought about this. Take a fish, any fish. The likelihood is that there's several different common names associated with that one fish. Also, there could be many varieties associated with a specific common name. So we didn't know how to make it. So if you're looking for a fish, you could say, I want this fish, and it would make any sense. If you use the common name, we don't know what that is because there's common names are not official. There's no, I mean, we get a good idea if you say, I want a roseline barb, what you mean, but there's also all the other names for that fish, right? Or there are common names that, like the salt and pepper quarry, that refers to more than one species. So that would be hard. If you refer to the scientific name and you're like, I don't know, I want, let's call it, just, um, I don't know, guppies, <laughs> right? Scientific name for guppy. Well, how many hundreds of varieties of guppies are there and how would we know which one to tie to that wanted notice, basically. So it's a thing of how do you get the information in a database form that is useful that you can actually take action on and create a, a useful experience for, um, you know, for the customer, for the user. We don't know how to do that. The only way we know how to do it is here's a fish that we get that we're out of now. So if you want that, then we know what you're talking about because there's actually a listing. I mean, I suppose we could like just make this massive list of fish that no one's carrying that you could click on and be like, yeah, one day I want that. Um, actually, I hadn't thought of that before. Not how good I'm not sure how good of an experience that would be. Huh, I'll have to think about that more. I haven't that had not popped in my mind before. But but that's the problem, basically. How do you take data that is an input that is not very defined or has many possible definitions and create an effective database you can draw on to create a, a function that works for everybody? That's that's the challenge. 
If he's not preloaded and someone can't say, yeah, that, then we don't know how to do it. All right. Okay, 11 minutes left. Okay, we can do this. Burn through these. Mmm. <laughs> Good to know. Kelly Foreman says that the horned nerites eat BBA. You have to have an army of them. But you put, she put 30 in a 40 breeder, and it's working. Good to know. I did not know that nerite snails, at least horned nerites, would, would do that. JFK, dose. Will zebra plecos do well in a generally peaceful 55-gallon community tank? Probably. Um, they need lots of hiding places, and you kind of have to uh, spot feed them. So wait till all the lights go out, the room lights and the aquarium lights, so it's actually dark like night, and then feed them. And, and that's the best way to get food to all the fancy plecos. Now here's the thing I don't know. Do you have any feeders in that tank that are super aggressive and will eat all the food before the pleco does? Some fish will even do that at night. I'm thinking of barbs specifically. Barbs have those little barbels and even at night, they're going around searching for food. I know this because I had a group of, what kind of barb was it? I can't remember which barb. One of the common forms of barbs in with some Corydoras and the Corys came in all fat and sassy and the barbs came in all fat and sassy and it was great. And I'd feed them all. And I noticed that the barbs ate all the food before the Corys got any. So I was like, no problem. I'll feed the Corys at night. So I did. I waited until after total dark, except for, you know, we have a little nightlight in here to, to simulate a little moonlight, but you know, fish will go to sleep is the thought fed them because I know quarries will eat at night as well as in the day. And um, we did that for a while and the quarries still were not getting enough food. And I said, what is going on? So one night I fed them. And after a few minutes, I went over with a little light and I looked in the tank to see what was happening. Mob of barbs all around the food, just chowing it down dead of night. Corey's not getting any. So that thing can happen with fancy plecos like zebra plecos, depending on what the companions are. But if it's fish that are peaceful, not food aggressive, the pleco will have plenty of time to eat the food, especially at night. And the parameters are, you know, you keep the water clean and stuff, then sure, why not? Why not? Now, a lot of people I think don't just because of the price of the pleco, it's like, oh, I have to make sure, keep it its own thing and make sure it's totally taken care of. But I know I know people that keep zebra plecos in community aquariums and haven't had a problem. It just I guess it adds an element of risk. I think that's Al and not AI. Al, I have a good I have good results with true Siamese algae eaters taking care of BBA. My two young SAE love BBA. Yeah, the, yes, Siamese algae eaters will eat it. Um, but the question was, besides Siamese algae eaters, what will eat it? So they're looking for a different option. Would an army of like, I don't know, a mono shrimp do it? I'm not sure. Now one do. Why is this stream at 720p? I have no idea. Stream settings, let's look together. Well, I can't. That's my key there. I can't do that. I can't show you that. But um, where are we at here? I have normal latency. 
And I guess that's why. I don't want to do like, yeah, it's normal latency. So I have it on the best quality. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're asking that because you want better quality, but maybe you're like, no, it's buffering too much. I need less quality. I'm not sure. But you can set lower quality on your, on your uh, screen there on YouTube. Just hits a little uh, settings thing and you can change that. But um, yeah, 720. That's what we're in. Um, not one do where you, what do you want? Are you like, that's horrible. I want 4K or something. I, I don't know if we could get decent stream at 4K. The camera can do it, but uh, I don't know if the internet can. <laughs> but let me know uh, what you mean by that. Is there an improvement we could make? Let me know. Bunny Viper. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. That, that's Jonathan answering that one. Fishaholic, 40-gallon tank, brought six one-inch panda quarries from a cold water tank, 68 temperature, okay. Losing one every other day, don't know why, water parameters are okay, current stock, one dojo loach, and same Danio minnows. What I've found with quarries is sometimes I'll get a batch in, and mysteriously, over the course of several weeks, I'll lose one every day or every few days, and... I have no idea why. I've never been able to pinpoint, even using an aquatic veterinarian and everything, um, pinpoint exactly why, but it does happen. And it's just the batch of fish comes in with, I don't know, something happened. Did they, did they get a whole bunch of ammonia exposure during shipment? Did that do it? Is it a pathogen, a virus, a bacteria deep in their gut somewhere? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So often, often, I won't say often that happens. When that does happen, I never know. But I've had batches of panda quarries that did that. They came in and I just, it took months before it stopped. I don't know why it happened. Never pinpointed it. So I think it's a supply issue. Somewhere on the, somewhere the batch encountered an issue and now, now this is the consequence. I have nothing more than that for you. I wish I did, but I don't think it's your temperature. If the parameters are great, all that, my best advice would be try, hopefully they stabilize. Um, and you, and you don't lose more, you know, sometimes that can happen. My, my batch is generally when that happens and it's not all the time, but it does rarely happen. It can take several months, but they eventually stabilize usually. Sometimes they don't and you lose the batch, but generally they do. So I'm not sure what happened in the supply chain to, to cause that and why it takes so long to recover. Um, don't know for sure. But I would say if, if you wanted to try again at some point, I would try a different batch from a different supplier and I would make sure it's a batch that has been there long term with no problems. One issue we have in this industry is... There's this long chain of supply and every link on that chain, the goal is to move it to the next link before the fish dies so they can make a profit on the fish. Unfortunately, what that does is means that when you go buy it, depending on where you bought it from, it's likely that this fish has been passed from here to here to here to here to here really quickly without 
proper care and attention and is super stressed and therefore immunocompromised by the time it gets to you. This happens all the time in our supply chain. Um, it's the reason why we don't sell any fish until at least two weeks of quarantine and sometimes we take longer. Sometimes it takes us months to get a batch stable because they need time to recover from that stress and get fattened back up and settle in um, before they'll do well for a customer because they've been through hell, honestly. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And so my advice is find a place that's had some for a while that hasn't had any problems for a long time and buy that batch. If you've got a local pet store you can buy them from and you can say, see when they came in and um, a couple weeks later they're still there and they look good, maybe that's the time to buy them. And hopefully they'll be honest with you. And if you're like, hey, if you had any problems with these in the last two weeks, should I wait or whatever? Hopefully they'll be honest. I don't know your relationship with your local pet store and tell you, you know what, actually we had a, we've had a few die, you know, we had another one die yesterday and then you'll know to be like, okay, I'll wait a couple more weeks. Um, but you know, not everyone's honest. So but that's the best I've got for you. I mean, often we never know. How would we like, we don't have the resources. We don't have access to the veterinarians that might know. Um, and even often they can't figure it out. Just like people medicine, right? We don't always know. So wish I could help you more. Kills Aquatics with a masculine form of Pippi Longstocking throwing down $9.99 and reminding me, holy cow, it's the end of the chat. It is time for the giveaway. This is for an awesome pack of snails. I love the name Crazy Snail Lady Starter Kit. 14 snails, seven different colors from Peplum Creek Aquatics and Foxy's Fishes. Pretty awesome. Thanks to both of you again for providing the giveaway. It's a $70 value before shipping and they'll ship them to you for free, which is pretty cool. So the winner of that is going to be Dr. Ski, 1056. D-R-K-S-K-Y, 1056. Oh, not, yeah, Dr. Ski, I think so. Dr. K-Sky? I'm not sure exactly, but you've got two minutes to come over and be like, hey, that's me. And then uh, then you'll have one. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, let's see if I can get to another. Oh, someone here is saying the dojo loach might be a problem. Okay, someone's thinking it could be a dojo loach being aggressive. Um, if it's a big one. Sounds like. Okay, I'm just scrolling here for a comment to respond to. Oh, GFK2, Will Zebra. Oh, we already got that. I thought that was someone chiming in to answer that one. Here we are. This is around where we stopped. A train. Can different variations of honey garamis live in the same tank? Yes. I want to put two meals that are different variations in a 20 gallon together. No. Um, they can, but I wouldn't put two males together in a limited space because they'll, uh, they might not be the most aggressive gup, uh, guppy, sorry, garami, but two males, limited space like that, I think you could have problems. Um, you could get a group in there to spread the aggression and all that, but just two males of, of lots of fish, even that are fairly peaceful, 
can really cue in on each other. So my advice would be no or yes, but have a plan B just in case something goes wrong. The more decorations and line of sight blocks and things you have, the more likely that will work. All right, dark sky, dark sky, got it. <laughs> I don't know, I like Dr. Doctorski. <laughs> Doctorski. <laughs> dark sky 1056, thank you. <laughs> I see it now, yeah. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. If you would send me an email, dan at dancefish.com, dark sky, and let me know your first. Oh, no. I don't need all that because I'm just going to forward it to Peplin Creek and Foxy's Fishes to take care of you and ship it. So just send me an email. I am dark sky and uh, I won the snails. Then I'll get you taken care of. Thanks for playing and congratulations. Everyone, that's it. I've got to get off this stream here. Uh, I promise my mods I won't go too late because they've got lives to live and they're volunteers. So got to respect that. Uh, Punchy's Paints, I believe, is going to go next. She'll be live in about 30 minutes, 28 minutes now. So if you want more fish geekiness and some cool art, check out Punchy Paints next. Um, usually she's going live right after me. And thank you to my mods for all you do. I sincerely appreciate it. Thanks to Peplin Creek Aquatics and Foxy's Fishes for providing the giveaway. Every now and then, actually, usually I forget to thank the giveaway person at the end. And I always feel bad. So I remember this time. Super Chats. Thanks for the money, folks. When money falls out of your computer screen into your lap, what's not to love? And again, we're a small company, so every little bit really does help. Thanks so much. You're keeping us in ramen. <laughs> all the people that left a question or comment thanks for being active and participating if i didn't get to yours i'm sorry i never mean to skip someone or whatever but there's limited time and in the chat jumps sometimes and i just can't get there but thanks for being involved anyway hail the lurker nation everyone watching the replay hello glad you made it belated but hey i get it life's busy and everyone listening to the podcast glad you found the podcast hope it's doing helping you pass the time at work or what have you. Anyway, that's it. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. CJ Black, same bat comment. <laughs> and we'll see you then. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.